This episode is brought to you by Rick's Eyewear. Eyewear that inspires confidence. If you would like to buy some premium eyewear, sunglasses, blue light frames, prescription, head online now, rickseyewear.com.au and check it out. Caps has been Australia's home of headwear since 2012. From snapback to fitted, curved peak to flat peak, our hats will fit anyone and everyone. Since then, we've grown and evolved into the leaders of US sports apparel in Australia. Head online at caps.com.au and check it out. Righto, let's get into the show. Oh, here we go. Corey Homicide Williams in the house. How are you, big fella? I'm, I'm fantastic. What's going on, T? Oh, mate, it's, uh, I'm so happy to have you here. The energy the energy is going to be strong today. I've already matched it in the car, you reckon, but we're only just getting started. <laughs> That's for sure. I'm glad uh, you um, reached out and uh, invited me on a podcast. I haven't done any podcasts this year um, purposely, but, um, you know, everybody's not worth the energy. You know what I mean? I mean that respectfully. Like, there's a lot to go into. And um, I just wanted to make sure I was on a podcast that it was reciprocated correctly, you know. So athlete to athlete, why wouldn't I? And your energy was genuine and beautiful through the screen as I was reading the message. So once I felt that, I was like, let's do it. Yeah, I love that, man. I love that. And and the energy through the screen when I'm watching the NBL commentary, mate, it's, <laughs> I was saying there's no, no one better than you. There's no one better than you in that commentary box. Well, um, thank you for that compliment, but... Um, we all play different roles. You know how it is on a team, you know what I mean? Your role might be more or less significant than your teammate, and it doesn't mean that you're able to fulfill your role to the best without your teammates. So, um, you know, I just love the fact that we all play a dynamic because a lot of times people don't want to just hear a me. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's Charles and Shaq and Kenny the Jet, the same dynamic if Ernie's not there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ernie plays a huge part, although he may say the least, but that's just the balance that is provided. You know what I mean? So um, I just love the fact that I have an opportunity to do something that, um, quite frankly, the only thing I know how to do, right? Talk about a game I'm obsessed with and um, do it well and, and provide a different dynamic in that space while we're continuing to move the game forward. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I just grateful for it all. Now nah, you're doing a great job and it's great to have you here. I mean, Os American Aces is that Australian and American combined sports kind of vibes. Um, I think you might be the first American I've had in person. I've had, I've had Eric Decker online, but in person. So it's great to have you. And we're going to dive real deep into your story, but basketball in general and the NBL and how it's tracking because um, it's it's trending at the moment. And we've had some big names go through the draft the last couple of years and there's there's more coming. So, yeah, I'm really keen to, to dive in. And I guess I'll start, mate. Do you want to give us a little bit of your background and your story growing up? Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Um I'm from New York City. Um, specifically, I'm from the Bronx, New York. My family's Jamaican. Um, they came up. My grandparents came up from Jamaica um, with their children, put them in school. They had us. And uh, that's how we got to the Bronx. The Bronx back in the day was predominantly a Jewish. And once there was an influx of African-Americans and Latinos moving into the Bronx, all the Jewish people were like, listen, we out of here. And they made they moved to a suburb that is like 
an affluent suburb area, suburban area in the Bronx, but they didn't want to name it and like say they were a part of the Bronx. So they called it Riverdale and they changed like the whole name. So they moved to Riverdale and we all took over the Bronx and um, it's the birthplace of hip hop. Uh, there's a lot of culture that came from that area. And uh, I had a dream. Um, basketball was a, uh, a big part of it. I wanted to play pro. I wasn't that talented. I wasn't that skillful, but I had the will and the desire to do nothing else but become a professional athlete. New York City, we're uh, we're known for a lot of different things, right? Culture, um, super diverse basketball. It's the mecca of basketball. And when it comes to fashion, we are the leaders of the forefront and music when it comes to hip hop. So when you add those three things into like it's like the perfect cocktail that you can never get anywhere else, right? So there's a lot of competition on so many different levels, and uh, it's coming from there. You had if you wanted to hoop, you had to work your ass off to be the best because it's a, a condensed area where there's a whole lot of people that are nice when it comes to playing ball. People that are fashionistas, world-renowned fashionistas, and incredible artists in terms of hip-hop and music. So in order to be the best, like, you had to really put in a lot of work. And, um, yeah, I had to just bust my ass. And um, graduated from college. I have two degrees, and I haven't used any of them because my goal wasn't to be a scholar in, in class. My goal wasn't just to get employed by those using those degrees. My, my goal was to hoop and become a pro athlete and make it to the NBA. Again, I, was one, I wasn't I was nice. I wasn't a super talented guy. That's not my story. I'm the opposite. I'm the guy nobody wanted. So I really had the, I call it Godfidence, like godly type of confidence. I will prove you wrong and I will show you because I was never the guy picked. I was never the guy chosen in any way, shape, or form in anything. I just had the... Again, godly confidence. It's going to take some time, and I'm going to prove you wrong. And if it wasn't for streetball, which is huge in New York City, and what makes it huge is that you have a a combination of players that are good enough but probably have, like, criminal records. They'll never make it out of the hood, but they're talented. Then you have guys that play in college that are really good on their way to greater heights, then you have guys that play overseas, professional international hoopers like your imports, they'll play. And then you have the NBA player who comes from this neighborhood because it all starts in the playground, right? It all starts there in the backyard in these parks. That's where you are originally honing your skills in New York, at least. And then you also have that NBA player who, because he's no longer a part of that because he's a pro, he feels if he has a brand, he needs to prove himself that he's still that edgy hooper. So to get street credibility, he comes back and plays in the summer. So that's a powerful mixture of talent on the court. That was the only choice I had because, again, coming out of uni, my coach didn't help me. I didn't have no agent. I wasn't that guy. So for me, lucky enough, I had street basketball and I used that platform to get me a shot directly to the NBA, which never happened before. I was the first guy. 
So that's pretty much a bit of the backstory. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, there's so much to to get into there. Ooh. I mean, that's, that's incredible. I mean, the, the street ball. It ain't. I mean, I played street ball in Sydney, right? And it's uh, it ain't like the Bronx, mate. It must give me some stories. Because you just good or bad. I what mean, stories do I, you want I first? Want, I want. I want everything. I want okay. Everything. All right. Because I, I can imagine there's some some wild shit going down on the court. Yeah. I mean, think of the longest jabber in the, you know, in the movie there. Where they just elbows him in the face. He's like, give me the ball, dog. <laughs> I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you good, bad, ugly. Yeah. We'll start with good first. Yeah, we love the good. So the good is um, the coolest thing ever was that. You're having um, your games at Rucker Park. This is the icon. This is the Madison Square Garden of streetball courts. It's the most famous basketball court in the world outside the NBA. Um, this tournament, it changed my life. I got a chance to match up against some of the best basketball players ever played in the NBA. My, my, the, my breakthrough was playing against... Run our tests. I always say it because if it wasn't for that matchups, you know, man, you played. There's certain matchups and your position, it could propel you and change the complexity. You could change your situation drastically. You understand what I mean? The Josh, the Josh Adams, that shot he hit, you know, a la Josh Adams in the playoffs, Tasmania Jack jumpers against David versus Goliath. You know what I mean? Playing against <laughs> Melbourne United, defending champs. No Chris Goulin. Here's a shot. He misses that shot. Melbourne United goes down. It's a one-point game or a tie ball game. They could lose. He makes that shot. That shot and the degree of difficulty in that corner shot, when his legs get clipped, he gets fouled, ref doesn't call it, and he knocks it down, that changes everything. Because now we see the balls to take it and the courage to take it, but the actual absolute killer instinct and mentality to make it. Now I know you're elite. You eliminate them, you get to the grand finals. That story, who wouldn't want a guy like that on their team? So there's key moments in all of our lives, whether it's on the field or in real life. You have an opportunity to level up. It's all on what you do with it at that moment. And could you even recognize the moment, let alone cash in? You feel me? Yeah. Real shit. So the good, I'm playing against NBA Defensive Player of the Year, Ron Artest, not Metal World Peace, Indiana Pacer. <laughs> that's different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's different. He's a bad man. Yeah, man. So, you know, he blocked my shot a couple times. He ripped me like, motherfucker, get that shit out of here. I said, motherfucker, I'm coming right back. <laughs> Next play, I got it. Sweep through. One, two. Floater. Bucket. So that right there gave me even more confidence to know. I don't kill guys in street ball, street ball players, overseas players. That ain't getting you to the next level. You got to go at somebody elite to level up. You know what I mean? So I scored 26 on them in that game. Double team started coming. They started double teaming me with him guarding me. <laughs> How the fuck are you getting double team and the defensive player of the year in the NBA is guarding you? Mentally, you know what that did? Told me nobody one-on-one could guard me. That was the game-changing moment for me, confidence-wise. And because of that game, the next game, I got MVP at Rucker Park, which is this is this is an unreal feat to do. The next year, God bless the dead, big strict. This is a, a street ball legend. Ali Moe, street ball legend. J.R. Smith, Dante Jones, you know who these guys are. Kenny Satterfield was in the NBA at the time. So it was three NBA players, one, one point guard, shooting guard, small forward. 
45. That game was on NBA TV. After that, I got a shot directly to the NBA. So let me explain something. What occurred for me? I just got MVP of the league based off the defensive player of the year. Couldn't stop me. I ain't allowing y'all to stop me. He's bigger. He's way stronger. And he's from New York. You know how hard he plays? Hard. I'm not allowing none of y'all to stop me. 45. That got me a shot to the league. You got to recognize these moments because they don't come. Not for a guy like me. You understand what I'm saying? So when you get it, you better grab it. Because if you don't grab it, it's gone. That's the good. That's a good let story. Give, let me give you the bad. <laughs> give you the bad. That's real good, though. So when I say bad, bad is different than ugly. I'm going to give you the bad. That's the good, right? I'm going to give you the bad. The bad is um, we've been, you know, um, out of town. Like, this shit is real, you know, because back in those days, it's like before it was record labels. These games were on the NBA TV. You know, you got the president sitting in the stands watching you play next to the commissioner. At that time, Bill Clinton was the president. Coming to a streetball tournament? That'll tell you the magnitude of it. What fucking president is coming? The, of the United States, active. Yeah. The active president is in the stands like this in VIP watching you play. Steph Marbury next to him, chilling. Shout out to Steph. And uh, not Adam Silver, David Stern. They chilling in the stands. This is the impact of the park and the talent that's in the park. Drug dealers back in the day. How streetball, how Rucker Park started was, let's say that in this area, there's a big drug dealer and he has his crew. And then in this area over here, there's another drug dealer with his crew. Over here, over here. So the thing is, with these, with these families... All they're saying to see is like, you know, who got the most money, who's flossing, who bought this, who got this. So they're like, let's start a basketball tournament. All right, cool. We're going to put our team in. And because we got money, we're going to pay. Just think like a league. But we're going to pay the best players to play with us. You know what I mean? Again, when you really look at the big in, in American culture, growing up, the flashiest guys are the drug dealers. Which means you're growing up in my hood. I'm not seeing doctors, lawyers, successful entrepreneurs that own companies. What we see every day at that point, these guys. So this is who you want to grow up to be like, Dang, he got the flashy car. That's what you aspire to get. He got jewelry. That's what you aspire to get. He got the beautiful women. That's what you aspire to get. He got the houses. That's what you aspire to get and want to be. And when you're living in poverty, that's the quickest way to get it is what they're doing. Right. So with all of that, you look up to these guys. These guys are like, if you're talented enough, you join one of their teams. So that's how the tournament started. So now everybody's playing against each other. Fast forward. So you getting paid to play. Just think like a rec league, A grade, going to MSAC. Guys like, yo, here's a thousand dollars for a game. If you're good enough, you got five games a week. It's five grand. You know what I mean? Ta- in your pocket, <laughs> you know, then. So now. Here's the bad. The bad is there's side bets on these games, depending on the matchups. So, you know, guy come to you like, yo, listen, man, you're not playing really well, man. I got 50 grand on this game. Either get your shit together or it's going to be a problem if I lose this money. <laughs> so it is. That's the bad. Like, it's pressure. If you like that, you know what I mean? Like, 
ain't getting no name like homicide and can't live up to it, right? <laughs> so, you know, that's the bad. Now, I'm going to tell you the ugly. Like, there's, you know, there's activity on the sidelines. Like, remember, like, we in the hood. You know, so here's the ugly. The ugly is. I played in the game. And, you know, again, you might be from an area where you, I'm playing on a team that's from Harlem, right? That's where Rucker is. And this team might be from an outer suburb, right? We don't rate the outer suburbs, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, y'all corny, like, we just don't rate you. So you come, so you feel like you're going to win this game. So you talking trash, you come maybe because you're from out of the outer suburbs, you come up maybe with like 100 guys, 50 guys, right? So you you guys wolfing in the crowd, you know, supporting your team, right? Now, we the home team. So how many guys would be in the stands? You packed, wouldn't it? Come on, bro. A lot of trash talking going on, back and forth, back and forth. So at that point, you know, people drinking, you know what I mean? Like, this is the park. This is not like pay your ticket to go into an arena. So it's like almost anything can go in the park. A fight breaks out. I, at that point, had a missus with me. So I'm already, I could, look, I'm from New York. I got a third eye and a sixth sense. Nothing don't go by me. I might look like I don't notice everything, but I notice everything. With that, the game is happening. I'm in the game. I was like, yo, sub me out. Because I'm seeing all of this go down. It's only going one way. I said, look here. Pick your bag up. We're getting out of here. Fight breaks out. As the fight breaking out, the fight goes from like one-on-one to like three-on-one and then five-on-three and then eight-on-five. Like it's just your crew start jumping in. It's a brawl. Yeah. It's a brawl. So I said, give me a hand. Running out this way. She got high stilettos on. <laughs> the crowd start going that way. I'm like, fuck, there's only two exits to get out of here. Right? So I grab her hand. I'm like, we go this way. The fight is just getting bigger and bigger. Next thing you know, shots ring out. A couple players got hit. That's the ugly. It's like, it's organized but unorganized. You understand what I'm saying? So, like, there's the three levels of it. Yeah, I can well. give you more stories on and on and on. But just know this. That ain't the route to get you a shot to the NBA. But somehow, by the grace of God, <laughs> I've nav I navigated a way um, happily to uh, get me here. Get me here. It's, a, it's an incredible story and inside. It's something that, to be honest, man, the reputation of the Bronx I've been in New York many a times. I never really went there. I was yeah, a bit too. That's the they're gonna tell you. Yeah. Only place you should go to, if you go to the Bronx, just go to Yankee Stadium. Then there's an express train when those games are on <laughs> to take you from 161st Street to 59th Street. <laughs> that's a quick. That's a long. You know how many stops you're missing? <laughs> Because they take you express. Get your get the white people back down. down I <laughs> yeah. know. Oh, because everyone's like, you should go. You should go. Oh, like, fuck it. No listen, way. I need to go with somebody that I, you know, that knows what it is. You know what I mean? But so, um So if we went yeah. together, I'd be sweet. Come on, you 
Come on, we in presidential suite, Yankee Stadium, in front of the Bronx. We good. We good. We good. We good. Yeah, Don't yeah. worry. We good. <laughs> Well, it's, it is it is fascinating because a lot of people want to know a bit more about the Bronx. You know, you just touched on the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, no, that was a street ball court. And that's street ball. And that was in Harlem. Yeah, that's street ball. Yeah, Can yeah, we yeah. touch on a bit more about growing up in the Bronx? Yeah, growing up in the Bronx, um, New York City is a concrete jungle, right? You know, most people think New York City, you see in the movies, you'll see things like Times Square, Statue of Liberty, World Trade Center. Those are the highlights of New York City. Those are the tourist attractions. But then you have the real New York City where, you know, um, there's like 8 million people, right? It's a vertical city. There's it's very few suburbs in New York, which we call boroughs, that it's flat. It's not, Melbourne is flat with a small CBD and the South Bank just have high rises. That's how New York's built. So there's people all on top of each other. So we hang outside a lot. You know what I mean? We're not built to be in the apartments all day, 24-7. That's not what we do. With that, you know, lack of opportunity, um, not a lot of money, lack of resources. When your back's against the wall, you don't know what you'll do until your back's against the wall. So growing up in the Bronx, you know, it's poor. Education is... Is low. You figure like right now, I think the rate of dropping out of high school is like 50 percent, 50 percent drop out of high school. You know, um, the the best thing for me and my family, my family and me, education was huge. We're Jamaican. And one one thing as Jamaicans, you always get a job, work hard and you get to school and get your education. Those are the num those Jamaicans don't play when it comes to that. And uh, I grew up in a house with love. My father died when I was three. My mother was a nurse. So um, we grew up with a house of love. We had direction. We knew what and what not to do. And um, my mother saved our lives, to be honest with you, as, you know, a loving mother would attempt to do and would and should. There was times like on our day offs, like if we had a day out of school, you know, holidays or whatever, and she had to go to work, sit your ass in the house. You can't go outside. Because we're like, why we can't go outside? Look at all the cool kids. And we had to, they teased my brother and I for being in the window because we're in the window because the building I lived in, we had the front window of the street. We're seeing all of these kids play outside and hang out. And I'm like, damn, like they're laughing at us. We can't even go outside. My mother knew better. You know what I mean? She's like, yo, ain't nothing good out there. Y'all little, y'all don't get it. Like, but stay your ass in the house. So with that, um, idle time is the devil. At that time, we weren't playing basketball. My brother hooped first. I was bored one day. I was bored one day. And I was like, I ain't got nothing else to do. What you doing? He's like, yo, I got a game. I said, all right, I'll go with you. And I fell in love with the game. And as a young, my father died when I was three. So a woman can never teach a boy how to be a man. You know, so the hardest thing you want the hardest thing to do is have direction at a young age. And basketball gave me something to look forward to and gave my, my brother and I, us, direction and discipline. You want to play this game, you got to go to school and you got to pass or else you can't get on the court. So it's like your grades got to be right. So it got to a point where I ended up, my mother paid tuition for me. To, my brother was smart as hell. So the school he went to, and he had direction, right? So the school he went to was a, a really good public high school, one of the best in New York City when it came to, in Manhattan, in Harlem. Manhattan is one thing, which is the same island, but then there's a suburb in Manhattan called Harlem. Harlem is it. Listen, Harlem is it. I never hung in the Bronx. 
back at home, they're like, this is a Bronx cat with Harlem swagger. Harlem give you it all. Everybody want to be like New York City, and everybody in New York City want to be like Harlem. That's the swag and the energy that, that Harlem has. So my high school was in the heart of Harlem. I went to an all-boys Catholic school. So a kid from the Bronx ends up going to a all-boys Catholic school. You got to put a suit tie on. Like how y'all kids here, you know, regular date school for you guys in Australia, you got to put on your blazer, you know, a tie is in, and a button-up shirt. I'm like, yo, what the hell is this? Ain't no girls in here. What, what, what are we doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? And that school saved my life. My mother bust ass and paid her tuition. And uh, my grades were bad in middle school. And it wasn't because I was bad. I just needed discipline. Right. So once I got into this school, funny enough, the dean, tough white dude, played footy. I had no idea what rugby was. I'm like, yo, who this white dude diesel? And like, he'll grab you up like, yo, listen, man, act right. And you did that. And it was it was the fact that we had the discipline and I was straight B's because we get graded A, B, C, D, F if you shit. So I was a straight B student my whole time in high school. And again, it was just really about discipline. Wake up, go to school after school. You have um, study hall. You do your you do your homework and all that. Then you have practice after practice. You get on the train, you go home, eat, sleep. Repeat. Structure. I'm not in the streets. You know what I'm saying? Games on the weekend. So at, with, with all of that, my peers, they don't hoop. They don't play no sport, which means what? They hanging out. Idle time is the devil anywhere in the world. That idle time does not lead you down the road of productivity and positivity. And what happened? They all fell by the wayside. The same guys that would look at me and laugh out the window. Now, when we look back now, it's like, damn, you know what I mean? Yeah. My mother was right, you know? So very grateful, man. Yeah. No, nah, thanks for sharing, mate. That's incredible. And then you obviously, you're at school and you're going through high school and, and, you, and then you progress. Um, I want to go to that that bit where you're, you're talking about basketball and taking it a little bit more serious and, and then the NBA journey. And, and, and obviously, we're going to go further on to that, to the NBL and touch on that later on. But yeah. I'm really excited to talk more hoops now and um, the journey from college to, was it college? You call it college? college. Yeah. yeah, uni. Uni, yeah. uni college, yeah. same thing. So, yeah, touch on that experience. So we have something in America called junior college, which is a two-year uni. So people who either have are trouble students who have bad grades and want a second chance or guys that aren't really developed as a player enough to get to a four-year uni and don't have a lot of scholarship offers, they'll go there, show that they can be better in two years and worthy of a scholarship at a four-year university. So that's what I fell under, right? So I happily, because I had no other offers, I'm like, Juco, where do I sign? <laughs> <laughs> Done. Boom, sign. I go to Kansas City, Missouri. So this is like a kid coming from Sydney, I now all of a sudden is in, I don't know, Canberra, right? Or Mackay. Yeah. Where the hell am I? <laughs> right? Super slow, complete opposite of Sydney. Cool. We there to work. Just want to get better. I just want to get better. So the drive that I always had in me because I was never 
the first guy chosen. I was never the favorite. I was always the underdog. So, okay, cool. You got to work harder. As long as you're willing to put the work in, the results is going to come. It ain't going to be easy, but you got to put this work in. And the mentality I had was, I'll prove you wrong. That's it. I ain't stopping until I prove you wrong because you didn't believe. Cool. Get the JUCO. Did two years. My first year, I got no playing time. We win the championship. Can't complain. Second year, that coach leaves. A new coach comes in. He said, look, I'm giving you the ball. Be ready. Opportunity. I did everything except we lost at the buzzer to the national championship. We don't want it back to back. I wanted to prove them wrong so bad and not let the man down. That gave me the opportunity. Uh, first team All-American. I, I had a lot of awards, like a lot of awards. All the awards you could win at that level for junior college, I pretty much got accept the ring again. After last year, not getting no playing time, right? So I always wanted to go to a HBCU. So I graduated there, got an associate in arts degree. I always wanted to go to HBCU, Historically Black University, right? There was a show that Bill Cosby did, and it was called A Different World. He did the Cosby show, and it, it was the next show called A Different World. And A Different World was um, an historical African-American university and what that experience would look like. And if you did a survey today, most people from my demographic and age, they chose to go to HBCU based off the fact of the how that uni was depicted um, on television. This was the show. And uh, it was an incredible experience. I, so I was like, I don't care about what offers I got. I'm going to this HBCU, but I'm going to back it up a little bit. Because, again, let me tell you the type of work ethic I was on. When you are not heavily recruited and talented, the college letters aren't coming to you. They're coming to the talented guys and girls and athletes. You know what I did? I went to the store. I bought the collegiate book, like the preseason book of all the teams, the players, their stats last year, what position, what a year they're in, when are they leaving. So you know what I did? I went to every conference in college and got the bottom half of the, 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 the conference and saw what players played my position, what numbers they averaged, and what class were they. So let's say they were a senior. I'm looking at everybody that's a senior. So if you finish low, I know I ain't going to get on the top teams. My chance to go in Division One four-year uni, I'm going to have to grab a bottom feeder team. I'm okay with that. You got to be realistic. Who's number one right now in AFL? Melbourne. Demons, right? Yeah. Okay. I ain't even on the radar. Why would I even think today... I can make the demons. No. Who's on the bottom of the list? West Coast. I got a better chance with West Coast. That's the reality. <laughs> you know, some of, some of us think with the false sense of reality, and that's what's fucking people up. You got to be real with yourself. Back to my plan. I, I'm going to make a, um, a letter, a template. I'm going to change the coach's names, the address, and the school name. I filled out maybe 100 of these letters and melt them off. This is who I am. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm averaging. Keep an eye out for me. Because if nobody know you, nobody ain't checking for you. You know how many players want to do this? What's your plan to get noticed? It can't just be, I'm just going to play. Motherfucker, you better do more. Mm. 
You got to do more. If ain't nobody telling you that, they're lying to you or they that's not their experience when they grew up. Maybe they were talented. A talented cat can't tell an untalented cat how to do it. Two different experiences. You Am I lying? Nah, spot on. Spot on. If you a bum not getting no playing time, how the fuck LeBron going to tell you what to do? He's a one of one. It don't relate. The experiences are completely different. If you need to find somebody that had your experience and listen to them. <laughs> you know what I mean? You better off with that route, that blueprint. I did that. And my, the moral of it is, whether it worked or not, I just wanted to make sure that I tried everything I can do. I exhausted every possibility. And that's what, the desire to win. That's the type of shit you got to do if nobody's checking for you. You know what I mean? So anyway, fast forward, graduated there, got the scholarship to go to this HBCU. Another reason I chose it, I was like, look, for me to get a shot, I figure I can go here, get the ball, <laughs> average about 20. I'm just leaving Juco. I'm averaging 27 a game. I'm like, if I can go here and average like 20 a game, I can get a shot. Because I'm like, if you can average 20 in college, you got you somewhat good, right? You somewhat good at a four-year university. My school is like, High level, North Carolina, all of them. Mid-level, like the Davidsons and all that. And then lower level. So we were basically like, when you look at it, like lower level. So I'm like, I got to be good enough to go get go here. Give me the ball. Give me my minutes. I'll do the rest. So I get there. First, third year. So this is year three for me because I did two years in JUCO. Year three. Average 16 a game. We lose to go to like the big dance. Two games away. I'm like, that's a good start for year three. Look. I don't like foresight. I don't want it all today. What's this trajectory looking like? That's how I'm looking. I'm like, all right, 16. Two more buckets on that. It's the 20, right? (laughs) (laughs) Two more buckets? 20. That means just run harder. You get a quick layup. You might get fouled. Two free throws. 20. You know how to get 20 a game average? Yeah. Five a quarter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> don't try to get five a quarter it's not that much is it, it ain't that hard <laughs> one three one three one bucket <laughs> yeah, I'm lying nah. if you're getting playing time just break it down like that <laughs> it's not that hard is it tactics <laughs> <laughs> so everything else is a bonus just hit your quota everything else a bonus so this is how I'm thinking because I'm like yo listen here's the reality you need to get on the court if you aim too high and you don't get no fucking playing time, who knows how good you are? Nobody. This is why I don't get when guys is like, yeah, you know, I want to play for a championship team. You're not getting no playing time. What does that ring mean for you? Oh, he's a champion. You was on the fucking bench. What did you do? You understand? Yeah. It's some hooper talk. This ain't, it's an athlete talk. This ain't the fucking fan talk. This some real shit. Dude, you ain't getting no fucking playing time, B. So you don't really hold weight with this fucking ring, dude. Honestly, you know what I'm saying? So I was just like, I'd rather go somewhere and play. At least everybody can see what I can do. Add the value first. Then you got some sort of leverage if you have options. One thing I know in this world, if you ain't got leverage, you ain't got shit. All across the board. Take that shit to the bank. You ain't got no leverage. You got nothing. (laughs) Now, sit back and think about life and be like, damn, would I have made that decision if I had leverage? No, but you ain't had no other choice. 
work hard, add value. The more value you add, you'll get more interest expressed in you. Then you got leverage. The more interest you got, then you got leverage. Now you can really make a decision. Now you let them make the decision to see. All right, boom, we'll offer this. Okay, cool, cool, cool. If you ain't got no leverage, they're they going to offer you a basic fucking package. But if you got leverage, they'll sweeten the deal. Correct or not? Correct. There you go. So I graduate college. Oop, senior year. We started off shit. You know how you watch those NCAA games? You'd be like, damn, that team lost by 50. You know what I mean? Like a Duke or North Carolina. We were those teams <laughs> <laughs> getting smacked. Getting smacked. <laughs> we were those teams getting smacked because what happens is the reality, the business side of it is they give our schools like us that get smacked a check. You know what I mean? Like, you want to play against us? Come to us. We'll pay you to play us. You, we basically warming y'all up. You know what I mean? We're just polishing y'all up to get, <laughs> to get going for the real business, right? And um, my coach basically was like, listen, I don't even like how this shit is really going. I might have been averaging, I don't know, 14 at the time. This is not even a regular schedule. You know what I mean? This is the pre... You know, we, we're not in our conference. This is non-conference games. We might have lost a couple of conference games. He gave up on the seniors. He sat our asses and basically got this, the underclassmen ready. That's how it went out. So I finished up averaging like 10. Now, that's the other side of it. If it don't work, it's like, oh, my God. Sat me. No help, no nothing. I'm in the dorm one day. I was like, well, let me just graduate. Because I told my mother I want to play pro. She's like, listen, son, just graduate. Do whatever you want. Say no more. Got that out the way. I'm in the dorm. I got no idea. That's the thing with these young kids. They're so naive and have no idea. I'm reading Slam Magazine. All right, well, guess I got to try street ball and go to the NBA. Who does that? No, no one's ever done that. <laughs> That's how fucking dumb I am at the time and naive and inexperienced. And I have nobody to school me. This is all done by trial and error. And I ain't got that much error to have because I got no leverage and there's no help. So you don't have that much room to mess up. You know what I mean? Boom. I left New York. I wasn't that good. I've developed after four years. So... My mentality developed as well as my body and my game. So now I'm coming back home and all these guys that were the guy, I wrote a list down and I'm like, yo, listen, I really got to be on some like real gangster mentality. Like if you a poor dude like hustling and like you want to get rich, what you got to do? You got to take these members out. I don't have to take the whole crew out. You go for the head. You cut the head off. Everybody fucking fall in line. My whole mentality was... I'm going to kill you so bad, you can't look me in my eye. That's different. When I come around, shit get quiet because they know, like, this motherfucker ain't fucking around. Respect. I ain't even got to play you. I know you don't want to guard me because you already know what I've done to your leader. Next place. So what I mean by that is I was going to parks in New York City. Go find the best player in the park. I'll pick him up full court. Because, see, when you're the best, right? You look at a guy like me, you're like, who is this guy? This guy ain't nobody. So I got to pick a fight with you to get the reaction that I want and then cut your head off. Right? So I'm playing psychological warfare without you even knowing. Because <laughs> you so good, 
you're not worrying about that because nobody really tests you. Everybody, when they see you, they bow down and give you respect. That's why when you see a guy with nothing to lose, get the fuck out his way because you're going to lose. Here's what I would do. Pick a guy up full court. Give him all this, right? <laughs> all of that. So now you, you again, right? I'm, I'm turning you three times before you hit half court in a pickup game. Who does that? Nobody. So then you're like, oh, yeah, whatever. You pass the ball, whatever. So now I get the ball on offense. You're not going to guard me because I ain't nobody. You the guy. Like, you ain't got to prove yourself. So you know what I do? I'll tell the guy you guarding, set a pick, switch, make you guard me. Ah, left, right, bucket, pick you up again full. So now at some point, if you're a competitor, what's going to happen? Your fucking ego going to kick in. Your competitive juice is going to fly. Now nah, I got you. Now you got to guard me. Let's go to work. Everybody in the park like, oh, shit. Finish you off, your name off the list. Next park. That's the kind of shit I was on because I had no choice. You know what I mean? I had no choice. And I didn't do everything in one year. It takes time because if you're really the best, you're not checking for me. You're like, motherfucker, you better go through them for me to even think who you are. You know what I mean? So they, I was going around parks doing that. I was doing that. So when school finished, that's all I had. Cool. That winter, I didn't have no job to go overseas, nothing. So a, a streetball legend coach, people, after they saw that, that first summer, what I was doing, it was like, I was like, yo, listen, I need help, man, because nobody knew who I was. They like, who is this guy? I'm like, dude, like, this is who I was from four years ago. They like, get the fuck out of here. You're not Corey from Rice. I'm like, they like, you homicide? Because like, it, it was just so far-fetched. Like, how could he become homicide after four years? Him. You know what I mean? You like, you can't be talking about him. It's like, yeah. So anyway, I got to the coach and he said, listen, I do not have any. He's like, you don't have a resume yet. I see, He said, I got something for you. Real shit. He's like, I got something for you. But it ain't basketball. And I'm like, I don't care what it is. It's better than being home. Right? Slow motion better than no motion. He said, listen, I'm just telling you. It ain't basketball. I said, well, what is it? He was like, you're going to be a New York National. That's the team the Harlem Globetrotters beat every game. Could you believe that? That was my first paying job. I was on the tour with the Globetrotters losing every fucking day. <laughs> Can you believe that? So here's what I said, because I have, if you have started how I started, I had the glass half full mentality all the way. At the end of the day, I don't give a fuck what it is. Guess what I'm not doing? I'm not home sitting, complaining and bitching. Shit's in motion until I can find something else. That's what the mentality was. So I get on the tour and I come in the locker room. Now this locker room, this shit is hilarious because you got guys like doing abs, sit-ups. You got guys <laughs> like, it, the locker room looks like Major League. You ever saw that movie, Major League? Yeah, yeah, you ever yeah. saw the movie, like, the Bad News Bears? <laughs> like, I was coming in, you know, my positive energy. I'm like, yo, listen, fuck that. We going to win. They can't beat us. They like, dude, we're not winning. I'm like, what kind of guys are these? <laughs> these guys, are these guys want to be successful in life? What kind of mentality is this? I said, all right, I'm going to show them with my play. Two games later, I was like, we ain't going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's a show. 
It's the Globetrotters. You're not it's not a game. You know what I mean? Part of it might be real, but the majority of the sh- 90% of the shit is a show. So they got show points. You got to let them score. You know what I mean? You got to look like fucking clowns. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been tough for you, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, because I tell you, I got a glass half full mentality. So a kid from New York, I never saw the West Coast. And I, funny enough, they have different tours the Globetrotters do. You got the East Coast tour, you got the West Coast tour, you got the Midwest, you got an international tour. I, thankfully, got on the West Coast tour. So people don't know, like, the Globetrotters travel like rock stars. One game here, every city, every, every day is a different city. So I'm young and fresh out of school, so I'm seeing cities and places I've never been. So it's also a bucket list because it's like, I've seen, at the end, I'll tell you everything, but as far as me traveling, I've seen whole America, and half of it got to do with the Globetrotters. You know what I mean? In places I never would have even gone, especially at that age. You know what I mean? So I was very grateful for that, and I got a little bullshit check. My check was $1,900, and $500 was your food for the money. You got a check for $1,400 sent home. <laughs> but it wasn't about the money. It's about just just getting it in motion. You know what I mean? Getting it in motion. And um, I was grateful for that. And then after that, I came back home and I jumped into the minor leagues and um, like think like the G League. You know what I mean? So I had jumped into that, the tail end of it with a Brooklyn team. And from there, I got a I got a shot. I went in there and killed. I went in there. And killed. I had no choice. I couldn't not not kill because the opportunity, the dream would have stopped. You know what I mean? Like I, I couldn't have any off. Not at that time. Any off like season, like bad games. That was my first time. So I'm like, I'm going all out. Then I got a shot to play overseas um, in Dominican Republic. Remember, my whole goal was average 20, five rebounds, five assists, or 20, four and four. Those are good stats and film to start the conversation. Well, here's my body of work. It ain't a lot, but here's what I did. You know what I mean? So after that, I got a shot to go to Brazil and I signed a one-year contract to go to Brazil and, and it, it's the, the professional international career started then. Brazil, I've never been there. Talk to me about playing <sighs> basketball in Brazil. And It was epic because at the time it was um, an underrated league because it was South America. Um, Leandrino, Leandrino Barbosa was there. At that time he got drafted that follow, maybe two years after. Nene was there. This was Nene was... <sighs> Young Nene. Um, he was there. They had a couple players that played in EuroLeague. Like, um, I played when there were no cell phones. Like, I'm showing my age now. There were no cell phones. Uh, my daughter was, wasn't was born yet. This was like, oh, How old were you? one. How old were you? Maybe 23. Yes, he's still real young. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, I was a baby. I was fresh out. A year out of school. So, the experience, it was, it was, um, it was very difficult. Very difficult because at that time, like, nobody spoke English. I was really like, here you go. Just go hoop. <laughs> and I just had to, I was writing letters to my mother. That's when you got calling cards and you would scratch off the, the code to use a phone. It was AOL, the dial-up. Like, it was just. Man, I'm too young to realize yeah, what that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It was crazy. But, um, it again, you know, my whole mentality was at that time, it was, it's starting. This is what you asked for. How you start is not how it's going to always be. But you want to hoop? Here you go. 
So um, I had a I had a good year. We lost in the playoffs, but um, I had again building your resume. You know what I mean? Who wants to start off and work at McDonald's? Wouldn't you want to work at fucking Nike corporate and <laughs> making yeah. six figures? Your resume does not match the salary requirements of someone with getting six figures at at Apple or you know what I mean at Google or whatever. You got to build this shit up, and if it's no handouts. It's the hard route. And it's like, you got to, you know, you got to strap in. And, you know, I had to go to places that I necessarily would not have imagined being. But um, it's helped me <laughs> tremendously in life, man. I'm, I'm forever grateful for this journey. It's amazing. I mean, the Globetrotters. Dude. The Globetrotters were like, as a kid, when they, when they come to town, it's, as, as you just said, it's a show. No doubt. It's one of the coolest shows yeah. in town as well. Still to this day, they'll yeah. be here in July. Yeah, you had front row seats. How many, how many <sighs> events did you go to? Maybe like sixty. Oh, Yo, wow. I was on the like I was on the tour. Yeah, you and, know what I mean. And let's give me the coolest story on the tour. You well, met some celebrities on the tour as well. Well, here's the thing, right? Me knowing, I'm like, yo, look, in my mind, I was like, yo, listen, I'm a star. Like, these dudes is duds <laughs> as far as my teammates because they already have the mentality like, we suck, whatever. I'm like, look, I'm going to make the best out of this. How can I make this fun for me? I made it not even about the tour. I'm like, listen, this is work. I'm going to go do my thing, but here's how you made it fun. So what I would do is... I would go to, because we in different cities. <laughs> so, technically, I'm on tour with the Globetrotters. Yes or no? <laughs> yeah. I never said I was a Globetrotter. <laughs> so, what I would do is, you know, we going to the mall. We out and about. You know what I'm saying? We doing our thing, meeting some sisters, some ladies. You know what I mean? I'm like, yo, you like basketball? I'm like, well, you know, I'm on tour with the Globetrotters. <laughs> We're on tour with the Globetrotters. Got some tickets if you like to come. Cool. Did I say I was a Globetrotter? <laughs> 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 so, like, we would just go, we would tour like rocks. <laughs> Yo, I had to make this make sense to me because it wasn't basketball. I'm like, yo, we just going to kick it. We just going to kick it. Yeah, it was, it was fun, man. Um, I was just really um, happy that I got to see a bunch of states in a part of America that I would not have seen, not at that time. You know what I mean? So you just got to make stuff make sense sometimes. I mean, it wasn't forever, and I knew that. So let's just have fun with it. Oh, it's one of the greatest stories yeah. of all time. You got to play your role sometimes. Might as well live that's, it up. You might as well. <laughs> that's my whole career right there, mate. The yeah. 23rd man. <laughs> Yo, dude, if that's what it is, you might as well make make. Don't be miserable in life. Life is too short. You know what I mean? I've exactly. learned that. If nothing else, the last two years, you know what I mean? Thank God we here. How many people have been wiped off this earth? You know what I mean? Because of this pandemic. Shit is real. So you got to appreciate life. And you know what I mean? Keep good energy around you. Be positive because, yo, it ain't got to be us. You know what I mean? There's a million people that get their arms and legs for opportunities that we've had. So you got to be appreciative of it. Yeah, That's I how I live it. my life. It's good. And it's good advice for everyone listening and watching because... We love positive energy. I love the energy straight it's away. That's B. exactly right. Um, let's see, so you're 23, you're Brazil. And then what's next? Okay, man. And how do you get to the NBA? When do you get to yeah. the NBA? What year was that? So, um, 05. This might have been 02, okay, right? So three years off still. Yeah, three Building years the resume. Off. Building the resume. <laughs> so, for me at that point, I know the impact of streetball. 
Streetball's impact is way bigger than these places that I'm hitting, but I have to do it because it has to align professionally. You can't go in, into a professional coach's office or a GM, say, yeah, you know, I played streetball against someone. They're like, man, what the fuck is that, man? Nobody gives a fuck about streetball. So I just needed to use that platform to heat my name up based off the fact that there's a chance you'll play against an NBA player. Then you can use that reference points in term of streetball. You know what I mean? To make it relevant in the professional career. Because other than that, I'm not catching you. You on your NBA court, I'm fucking in Brazil, right? So that next year, um, I didn't get a job offer. I didn't get a job offer back in Brazil. These things occur. And I didn't get a job. My agent didn't get me an offer. Disappeared. And that's again, that's what happens because a guy like me at that time, that shit's hard work. Most agents want the talented guy because leverage, easy commission, not a lot of hard work. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but a guy like me at that point is like, fuck, this heavy lifting. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. This is heavy lifting. Yeah. And, um, you know, it flaked out on me and um, I was home stuck. I was home stuck. And I was just like, damn. So what I did was um, I really didn't have any money. And... I had a highlight tape that I made. This is back in the day, two VCR tapes. Two, a blank one, two VCRs. And you press play, you put it back, you know, the cords in the back. And all the game tapes that I had, I got to make a highlight tape. Play, record, stop, stop. That's the first clip. Like, think like you're putting a U. Yeah, yeah, Nowadays, yeah. it's a YouTube clip, how right? This is what y'all putting. How long did that take you to do? <sighs> I mean, it was a lot of film that I had kept. Like, this is the type of shit you had to do. I literally had to, like, if the game, I had a good game in Brazil, I know those stats was good. All right, damn, I caught a dunk there. I did a good move, hit some nice shots. Let me get that tape and kept it with me and took all of these tapes home when I got back to America and, like, I got to put this highlight tape together because I don't have anybody else and I can't rely on anybody else because it's too... If you can do it by yourself, do it. You know what I mean? I don't, please, can you do this for me? Nah, I do this shit myself. That's the only way you know it's going to properly get done anyway. So I had to do that shit. So then I took it to a, a video, um, just a company that they duplicate. They make copies and shit. So there's this guy, you put the shit in the master deck. He got VCRs. And probably about 300 VCR um machines so make the master put the blanks in and made a bunch of copies right and i said to him i said listen man i'll be honest with you i don't have the money to pay for all of this this is who i am i want you to watch it he watched it and he was like yo you could play i said here's what i can do i will i had a connection on getting tickets to an nba game arena team I was living in Denver at the time, so it was the Denver Nuggets. And I can get you a bunch of bleacher seats. Like, they weren't good seats. <laughs> but what you can do is, I'll give them to you. There's scalpers. You can give them all of them, and he'll give you good tickets. So let's say I got gave you 10 tickets. You can go to him, and he'll give you two solid tickets. So you want to take you and your kid to a game or whatever the case may be. Knock yourself out. He was like, I like the fact that you are being assertive in your young career, so I'm gonna help you out. He made like a hundred copies for me. What a man. What a man. So he he um labeled um it my my bio, my, my everything, like name, height, weight, email, phone number. 
and um, and where I played and the jersey number, all of that stuff. And what I did was the same thing I did when I was in junior college. I went on Eurobasket.com, and they had an agents page. So I went to all the agencies, all the agents, looked at their roster as far as talent that they represent. And I'm like, all right, this guy has a lot of guards, and they're placed currently with good teams. That means he should have relationships because I'm looking like these guys are with big teams. That means if he picks up the phone, this agent, he'll be able to get smaller teams easy. You understand? Because he demands the respect and he got the talent. So what what team wouldn't listen to him if a guy like this picks up the phone? So I sent all of them out. I had a friend that worked at FedEx. I was like, yo, I need your help, B. I said, listen, man, I need you to mail all this shit for me. He said, I got you. You know what he gave me? The mail code for, like, <laughs> this account. And, like, I, yo, listen, this is real talk. Yeah. How else was I going to be able to get all of these tapes out? This is great hustle. So I was, t- yo, I was sending all of these tapes to the agencies, mailing them. Let's see you hit me back. On a small level, it's like if you go fishing, you cast a wide net and see what fish you get. You know what I'm saying? A guy goes to the club, he's single, he'll holler at 10 women. 10 (laughs) women ain't going to get with you. He casting a wide net. Let's say he get one number two. All right, this is what he got to work with. (laughs) This is it. So I'm like, what agent am I going to (laughs) get? You know, like, yo. Diligent working, working diligent. That's it. You know what I mean? So, like, a guy hit me back, and he was like, he was from New Jersey, and um, God bless the dead, Larry Cubis, he believed in me and paid for me to go to this Italian summer league. So think, like, it's called Treviso Summer League. I was in Treviso, Italy, right? Went to this camp, and um, you do well here, you're leaving with a job. So now I'm like... I ain't letting you down because you paying for the flight. You 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 got me covered to get get me there. I know you believe in me because you invested in me, you know, put me up in this hotel. And he was a part owner of a restaurant. Like He was a good agent. And, um, you know, I went out there, led that shit in scoring. I was not fucking around. <laughs> I was not fucking around. What'd you score? Right? Uh, probably about like 20, 20 a game. What's my mindset? Five a quarter. <laughs> Don't ever forget that. Yeah, that is good. That's the formula, right? So I'm out there. I'm working. I'm a no-name guy, right? So then I might have had four interests in me, four teams interested in me, right? So I'm like, fuck yeah. Got a team in Poland. I got a team second division Italy. I got a team in Israel, and I got another team in Italy, right? So I'm like, I did my job. Now it's about like, them really following up and really, interest is one thing. Getting an offer is another thing. So I go home, I'm like, yo, yeah, it's about to be on. Now I just put in it. Like, you do not leave Treviso Summer League without a job if you put in work. This is like going to summer NBA Summer League. That's what the, it was equivalent. Go home, agent like, yo, I remember Lavorno took Charlie Bell. Charlie Bell ended up being Charlie Bell is a stud. Um, other team took somebody else. You know, other team 
took somebody else. I'm like, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Other team took somebody else. Yo, that's the first time, like, I cried, I cried. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? I was like, yeah, I quit. I can't do this no more. Straight up. I was like, yo, I can't do this no more. I went and got a suit. I went and got some shoes. And I started filling out a resume. And then I was like, man, what the fuck is this? Went right back to the gym the next. So the next, the day I went and got the suit, the little briefcase, <laughs> this. Started looking at resumes. I was like, yo, man, what the fuck is this, man? I can't do this shit. I would live a life unfulfilled. And I've never set, um, I've never set out to live an unfulfilled life. I don't give up. Yeah, I'm frustrated right now, but I didn't really mean that shit. I can feel it because look what I have on and I'm more frustrated for having this on. <laughs> Back to the gym. And I got a call to go to Israel. Went to Israel. I'm in Haifa, I'm in Israeli league and we go out to eat and this is a whole nother experience because <laughs> yeah. now you in restaurants and before you walk in restaurants, they pat you down like it's metal detectors. This is, you know, <laughs> this is real. <laughs> Right, so I'm like, the fuck is this? They <laughs> like, look, this is all the restaurants are like this. On one strip, long story short, two weeks we playing preseason game. The strip I'd be on, suicide bomber hits like a restaurant. Yeah, wow. I was like, all right, pack my shit up. I'm out. Left, went back home. Two weeks later, I get a call to go to. Stockholm, Sweden to play in the league in Sweden. And uh, start, consistency started going from there. And um, played Stockholm, beautiful city. Played for a team called Nolota Stockholm, which is 08 Stockholm. And um, it just become, it just began to be consistent from there. And uh, dude, it wasn't a lot of money in the beginning. You know what I mean? Because yo, like, if your resume is... KFC, McDonald's, Subway. You're not worthy of a Fortune 500 company salary. You got to work your shit up. You know what I'm saying? And I was happy for it, but it took a while. And I was, I was just, look, I was just grateful that I was in motion. And that's why streetball was the biggest thing because nobody's going to give you that until they see you match up against a Fortune 500 type of player. And then what you do against that will determine, you know what I mean? You could use that as the reference point. So every summer I was going back, I was looking, I was playing in these tournaments in these countries, looking forward to playing against players in the summer. Cause I'm like, this ain't it. This is just a means to an end right now. We got to get this shit going. But the real action is in that park. Following year, went to China. I went to a draft combined and got drafted, went to China. You know what I mean? Saw some, saw some money then. I've been all over the place. I played everywhere, man. I was in Spain, summer leagues. I was in France. But let me tell you the turning point. After China, I got hurt. I had to sit out, not, not six to eight weeks. Then I went to um, Venezuela. From there summer and 
I was killing in the summers, but it's like, it's not anybody that's worthy for real to get that buzz, right? It's just like you're still climbing up the ranks. Yeah, you're doing your numbers, but you're just still climbing up the ranks. I'm reading they always put out a summertime issue for streetball. Smush Park on the cover. Smush with L.A. at the time. Shout out to Smush. And uh, Nate Robinson is is with the Knicks at the time, I think, or something like that. Anyway, they in there and they talking about these same guys. And I'm like, you know what, man? Fuck this shit. I'm going to show these motherfuckers this summer. Come home. I averaged 40 in every tournament. That was the summer of homicide. Painted the town red. That's when I caught um, Ron Ron. Ron Ron. That's when I caught Ron Ron. And once that happened, then the attention like really was like, yo, okay, now I'm hitting like, here it is, right? I, I'm, I'm hitting it now where it's, people really starting to take notes because it's an NBA, come on, it's Ron. So that following summer, because that was the end of the summer, I get MVP at Rucker. Now the next summer, where did I go play that year? I forgot where I played, but um, so many fucking places. Um, that next summer, that's when I caught J.R. Smith, Dante Jones, Kenny Satin, all of them. And that's when, 05, that's when I got the shot to the NBA. That's incredible. It all changed from there. Because now I'm in Toronto. Let me explain the game. That game got the attention. Jim Todd is assistant coach at the time with Toronto Raptors. I had a guy, a gentleman, who's like my father figure to me now. And um, he put, Jim Todd has been coaching the NBA forever. And that was a good friend of his. And he always said to Tony Parker, if you got somebody you feel can play at this level, let me know. Told him 15 years. He never used that. He saw me. He used it. A couple weeks after that, I dropped the 45 at Rucker. I tell him. He tells Jim Todd. Jim Todd understood New York City culture, basketball culture. And it was like he went to bat for me. He told the front office in Toronto, bring it. Oh, before he did, he said, look, I'm going to come see you. I said, all right, cool. One morning, turning point. There's moments, right, that you got to, you got to, you got to cash it on these moments. One morning, my phone rings. I'm in bed. Hello? He's like, hey, Homicide, what's going on, man? It's Coach Todd. I'm like, Coach, how you doing? He's like, yo, I'm in New Jersey um, at this camp. You got any games later? I'm like, yeah. He was like, you playing at Rucker? I'm like, nah. He said, you playing at Pro City? I'm like, no. He said, where you playing? I was like, I got a game at Dykeman. He's like, all right, what time? I don't know where he's going with this. He's, I'm like, uh, seven. He's like, all right, I'll see you there. I was like, all right, Coach. Fork in the road. You cried this whole time and said you've had no help. You cried this whole time and said you had to do this by yourself. All this heavy lifting, no one's believing you. There's a fucking NBA coach coming to watch you play. What you gonna do? Two things happens when there's a fork in the road. You gonna go all out or you gonna fumble this fucking opportunity and live for the rest of your life with regret. What if I would have played better? What would have happened? You coming to my house? Can't get more comfortable than that. I went to the park. Usually I have an entourage with me all the time. 
So I might have, I didn't tell anybody I had games. I probably probably told three people. Y'all just sit down right there. They didn't even know. I didn't tell nobody on my team because if they found out the NBA coaches, what would they try to do? They were trying to show it. No, we're not changing the program here. I didn't tell nobody on the team. Playing against the first place team, real tough defender, real tough. So I'm like, he comes in, white dude, about 6'10", super casual, no labels on him. Typical white dude, like golf shorts, polo. You know what I mean? Just too white, like a dad, dad uniform, like, right? Chilling on the gate. Have you ever been to Paran Summer Jam? I haven't, but I've seen it online. Okay, right. So there's a court, and then it's outside, there's a gate. He didn't even come in the park. He's just chilling at the gate. And they had just drafted Charlie Villanueva, 05. I had 28 at half. Oh, wow. You're turning it out. You got one shot. You got one shot. God was with me that day because at that point, the respect that I had in the park... When Homicide get the ball, double him. Let somebody else beat you. Double him. At halftime, they gave me a standing ovation. I ended the half with a dunk. They are like, we got to give him, because there's a guy on the mic, you know. We got to get this guy a standing ovation. <laughs> Boom. Second half, the double started coming. I only finished with 32. Two more, two more buckets I scored in the second half. Now, a street ball player would have tried to go for 50 or 60, right? Because like, he's here, I need to score a lot of points. What did I do when the double came? Kicked it right to the open man, move the ball. You know what he said to me at the end of the game? Which I knew. You know what impressed me most? When the double came, you kicked it and found the open man. Good game, I'll be in touch. That was it. A couple weeks later, I'm on a flight to training camp in the NBA. Changed my whole life. Because yeah. I knew if I made that team, do you need me to score? Of course not. The fucking Jalen Rose, Chris Bosh, you know what I mean? Lauren Woods up there, Aaron Williams. Those are your stars. I'm going to be third string at best 2020 player. What that means is if you up 20, you put me in. If you down 20, you put me in. <laughs> yeah. You got to know what you got to know. You got to realize, why would you be there? You're not going to be there to be the man. The man? They don't even want you on your fucking team. You <laughs> be fighting for me. I don't even get the shot. The man. Recognize what you got to do and excel in that lane with it. And that's how I got to the NBA. I got the shot to Toronto. Played preseason. You know, my, my highlight in there, I had 10 points, 4. I never forget. 10 points, 4 rebounds, 3 steals, 2 assists. And we went in overtime. And um, I got cut. Not because I wasn't good enough. They had a player injured. His name was Alvin, Alvin Williams. He ain't played in a year and a half. They brought in me, Tia Brown, Robert Pack, a veteran and a young guy who just finished playing with the Lakers last season and Houston the year before. So technically, between the vet, Robert Pack, steady, you know what you're going to get with him, this young star, point guard that... that He's a, he's a point guard, good player. He just played the last two years in the NBA. One of these two guys should get this spot. And you just bring a guy, I know it went, I, know, I swear to you, I know it went like this. We're going to bring this fucking guy in so you can shut the fuck up. I'm pretty sure it went like that because he was going to bat for me. I know he was, you know what I mean? So with that, 
it came down to that game. Vince Carter just got traded to New Jersey, right? Vince comes back. They booing him. In the offseason, when Vince gets traded, Lamar Murray was a player that was with Toronto. Lamar Murray said to the front office and the media, if y'all dumb enough to trade the, the, the franchise player, trade me too. Okay, motherfucker. They trade him too to New Jersey. Tell you that for a reason. New Jersey playing Toronto. This might be like game five in preseason. You know when you're on the bench, you ain't getting in. Like preseason, you're just chilling. And if they call your name, you got to be ready. It's like an hour and a half. You ain't done shit. You just been sitting on the bench. And I'm just like, I could feel it in the air because they haven't. we haven't cut anybody yet. And if there's three games left, you got to start making cuts to, you know, get the final roster together. Alvin Williams hadn't played because his knee was, wasn't 100%, but he had a, a bunch of money left on his contract. Coach goes, Corey, Robert Pack, Tier, all three of y'all in. We all point guards. I'm like, well, what the... What are we going to do here? It's five minutes left. We down 10. Vince done checked out. You know, Jason Kidd was on that team. It was Kenya Martin. They was all on that team. I'm like, well, it is what it is. We in. Three of us are point guards. It's time to take the ball up. I'm not going to, we're not going to all run to the ball or try to bring the ball up. So I just run up the sideline, up the court. We get across. We take the ball, go across half court. Coach goes, timeout. I'm like, yo, you just called timeout. What could you possibly say? We huddle up. He said, whoever Lamont Murray's guarding, give him the fucking ball. God was with me again. Who was Lamont Murray guarding? Me. Oh, that's great. This was the guy that said, if you're dumb enough to trade Vince, trade me too. So they didn't like him. Zipper. Zipper's the play. If the, if the court is here, the point guard will be here. The shooting guard, he'll dribble you out. And you come up the middle and you pass to him. Now you high screen and roll. Now you go. That play, it was basically like an ISO play one-on-one. The whole court turned favorable to me, which made me feel like I was in the park. The coach is like, give him the ball. <laughs> Let's go. He's too big to guard me. The floor is spread. So I just start cooking a little bit, getting to the rack. You know what I mean? He comes, dime it off, layup, down eight. How about this? Long story short, we go to overtime and win. We was just down 10 with four and a half left. There's no way you should win that game in the NBA. Not when you throw all the fucking reserves in. We ended up winning that game. Took the late the 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 the, uh, the last charge at the end, like it was it was perfect. At the end, like I had that opportunity, like media came to your locker room, like yo, yeah. you know. I was like, I can't believe this shit is happening. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, I'm like, I'm not gassed or anything, but I'm just like, all right, cool. That was the moment that you need you needed to know you meaning me that I could actually play on this court. You know what I mean? Because you don't know until you actually in the situation and, and, you know, do solid in that space. So I was just grateful that I at least didn't let that coach down who went to bat for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So the next morning I woke up, I was always first man in, last man to leave practice. I'm the first man in practice. What the fuck happens? T.A. Brown locker room, plate is off. I was like, get the fuck out of here. 
Robert Pack. I'm like, where their clothes? Because, you know, laundry come in, your clothes are there. Locker room name off. I said, get the fuck out of here. I said, that game not only saved my ass. I'm like, did I make this fucking team? <laughs> they got cut that night. That game saved me, right? So you beat out an NBA veteran guard, and you beat out a guy that just finished his last two years, played his last two years in the NBA. So it just gave me validity. I knew that I was worthy enough of being in the NBA. Go upstairs. I'm on the shoot machine, warming up. Alvin Williams is trying to play. His knees fucked. But on the contract, who am I to tell? Like, if a guy told me now, yo, sit down, let this young guy play. I'm like, motherfucker, I can still play. And that's how I did not get the spot. Doctor said he was still able to play. That's how I got cut. So from there, I started doing, like, the minor leagues. You know what I mean? Won a championship as a star in PG in the G League. Well, it was, back then, it was the NBA Development League, the D League. So that's how the journey began, and I was playing overseas. And then um, my agent was like, I did summer league with Indiana. I did summer league. I got cut then after that the following year with Denver. Then I did the minor league again, and then I went to summer league with Golden State. And uh, nothing happened after that. I was like, yo, listen, B. My agent was like, look, guys do well in Australia that are from New York because that league is running gun. And I'm not a half-court player. I ain't fucking Ray Allen. I'm a penetrator, right? So I need to be put around shooters to um really do well with my game, right? He was like, you can do well in this league. I was like, all right, see what's up. Get down here, hit the ground running. And I did four straight years here. Year three, I got MVP of the league. And um, we lost to go to grand finals year two and year three. Game three on the road. And um, from there, year four, I went to Greece when I got MVP of the league. And um, they didn't pay me. Came back, signed with Melbourne Tigers for one year. Then after that, I left, went to the Middle East for five years. Oh, so you went to the Middle East for five years. That's oh. probably where I, because I remember watching you when I was a youngster, but you had the Mohawk. Yeah, and that was that was when I was with Townsville. That, and, and the Crocs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were dominating there. Yeah, yeah, it was, it, was, it was good. And I was still playing street ball, so it's like, the way I had things set up was the way, like, an NBA player would have, like, an NBA star would have his whole shit set up. Yeah. I just wasn't in the NBA. So they're making millions on the deals that they have. I'm not making millions. I had my own sneaker deal. I was the only player at the time with a signature sneaker not in the NBA. Company called K1X signed me to a deal, cut me a check, and gave me royalties per sale. I had billboards all over the world. I had four magazine covers and told I was at runway shows like in New York. We good. You know what I mean? So we was at... Runway shows, sitting front row. We had all of that. I've been in documentaries on film. Yo, I did it all. Mm -hmm. I just don't have $100 million in my pocket. You know what I mean? So outside of that, there was nothing that I did not do with this game. And we go to the Middle East. You know what I'm saying? And I was out. I was in Iraq. I was in Dubai. This 2012, 2011. Like, we've been, to, we been there, done that. We did the desert. Everybody hype off Dubai now. You know what I mean? We've we been out there. You know what I mean? I was in Beirut. I love, listen, shout out to Lebanon, B. That country right there will always have a place in my heart. You know what I mean? So my whole goal was to stop playing at 40 because I wanted to stop playing at 40. So with that, 
I came back over here to visit. Um, no, no, that's a lie. Streetball uh, tournament was in Brisbane. People knew, you know, the connections. Me in Australia, me in streetball. So what they wanted to do was um, have me come and be an ambassador for it. So, you know, they me contracted me to come out. And I'm like, man, I'm not flying a day to get somewhere and just be here for two days to fly a day back. It was the off season for me like right now. And I'm going to Beirut anyway. I'm waiting on my contract. So let me go see my good friend who lived in the Docklands. I'll train here. And then when I get my contract from Lebanon, I'll fly here to Beirut and play next season. And while I was here, this might have been 2015, 2015, posting on social media and, you know, NBL got wind of me here and reached out and was like, yo, like we wouldn't, we didn't even know you were going to be. I'm like, you know, how you doing? You know, um, we started talking, long story short, and they said, look, you know, we would, we would love for you to be a broadcaster. Larry had just, Larry Kesman just bought the league the year before, I believe, and was like, yo, like, we would love to have you as a broadcaster. So um, that got my mind thinking. I said, I always loved Australia. Um, it's always been beautiful to me. It was, I love this country. Country's dope. People are dope. Vibes is dope. And, um, you know, I had a it, it played a, a, a vital part in my life. And so it always had a special place in my heart. So when that opportunity came up at first, I was like, yeah, I ain't no commentator, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? All those reasons I said about Australia and I said, there's a fan base here. I said, your body of work is on foreign soil in terms of this game. In terms of life, really, as an adult. There's an opportunity on the table for you. Which means you're wanted. You talk a lot. You're passionate. And this is a game that you've played your whole life. You have the credibility here, so can't nobody really check you in terms of your opinion, and you have the support. Where are the cons in this? Those are all the pros. Where are the cons? There are none. Give it a go. This makes sense. Here we are six years later. <laughs> one of the best in the business, mate. One of the best in the business. I've told you that. Here we are six years later, man. Have you loved the broadcasting side of things? It's you, been... It's, it has been a tough journey for you individually. After hearing all that, I obviously didn't know, but there's a lot of rejection there. Then there's a lot of um, you know opportunity up and down, but now it's just consistency, I would have thought, with, with well, what you're doing. Well, in anything that you're doing, there's a journey, you know? There's nothing for me to be bitter about. Like, look how it started. It's all a bonus. You're doing something that you naturally do. I don't wear a mask. I'm me. You know what I mean? I don't have to put on, you know, a suit and, and hold my opinion back. I get paid to, to give you my thoughts. Best job in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and looking good doing it. Thanks. Best job in the world. So when I tell you and people hear me on um, whatever platforms I'm on and I discuss and say, 
grateful and gratitude. You know how many people wish they could do this? Do I wear a suit? I wear a suit when I want to wear a suit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Grateful. I rock up like this and, and, and wholeheartedly am myself. If you don't get peace of mind being yourself and get paid to do, do it, I, something's wrong with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you're not grateful about life. I'm not talking about construction. I know nothing about that. That would be work for me. You know what I'm saying? But um, I truly am grateful. I'm grateful for how the league has grown um, from strength to strength. Um, uh, the talent that's come out of this league um, the last four or five years have been um, what's put this league on the map. I could talk all day, but if the talent don't match it, it looked like I'm talking shit and blowing air. Mm. You know what I mean? And I, I wholeheartedly mean the shit I say. And do I get it right all the time? No. Am I fucking paid to be right? No. You know what I mean? Actually, if I'm right all the time, is it? wouldn't it be boring? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, since you've started broadcasting and all that, the truth is the NBL has gone through the roof. You know, we've had Ball and Giddy and we've got more coming, but the timing's perfect. And I think what you're doing for the sport is unbelievable. And having that connection to to the um, to America, uh, there's no doubt you play a pivotal role when these guys come to town. I just saw recently that Josh Giddy was in town and you're the first one kind of there at the shows and all that. So it, thanks, must, be a, it must be a pretty cool position that you're in. But thanks, man. But, um, you know, um, this this I'm just genuine with it. And those who, you know... Um, rock with my energy and me being sincere and genuine, those come to me. You know what I mean? Those are the ones that come to me. And um, quick story, um, Giddy, funny you mentioned him. Mello came out here. We see what he did, right? We see what he did. And um, the day the draft went, I reached out to Giddy. And I said, listen, you have six months to change your life. Whatever you need, you holler at me. Ain't no strings attached. I got my own shit. I don't need nothing from nobody at all. I just want to see you do well. The same shit, we, those conversations we would have with Jermaine and Mello when they were here. You know what I mean? The same shit. I told Mojave King the same thing. You know, sat down and had breakfast with Mojave. I would hit them up because... What they're attempting to do, there was more pressure on Josh than it was with Melo. I'll tell you why. You saw Melo come and be successful and then go and do his thing, right? So now there's, there's a yardstick. There's a standard. If I'm able to do this like this, this is what would happen. We didn't know what Melo was going to do. He set the bar. And you're coming after? Who? <laughs> pressure. You know, pressure. We had our, our conversation after the fact, and um, that's what it's about. You know, in everything I do, it's motivate, impact, inspire, and educate. Um, you can pay it forward, you do it. If you can make something a little bit easier for somebody, you do it, especially when it costs you nothing, and even if it costs you something. You know what I mean? Because at some point, I needed the help. some point, you needed the help. So if you can do that... You got to do it. And that's how you pay this thing forward. And that's how God continues to bless me. Yeah, it's brilliant, mate. And it's great. And all these young players love you, no doubt. And it's, um, 
and they're coming back to Australia, so there'd be no, no, you know, you'd love catching up with these guys and seeing yeah, them man. progress. I mean, Giddy had one of the greatest. He, he was amazing. If you didn't get injured, there's there's that, arguments. That's rookie of the year. Yeah, there's it's a bit stiff. The isn't path it? he was going, he should have been first team or rookie, but that's just more motivation for him to go back next season and do his thing. So, um, great kid. Um, he came. Um, obviously, I do some stuff with Foot Locker right now, and came to the Pack Fair store. And um, you did our thing down there, and I went to uh, his dinner that they had. Um, that's that's a young star in the making, and um, the game is in great hands. He's the face and the future of the game moving forward. I love that. Who's the next big name coming through the ranks? Dyson Daniels, Tyrese Proctor. Them little cats is no joke. Yeah, Tyrese Proctor going to Duke. Dyson Daniels would be a lottery pick. The game's in great hands. It really is. That's brilliant. It's good to hear. While we're on the uh, quick fire, just just your role now. So you're not just doing broadcasting. You are is it the creative director of Full Locker? Is that of basketball? Of basketball. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, I'm really excited with the role. There's a great team there, and what we want to do is continue to push youth culture through basketball. We have a campaign that we started um, a couple of weeks ago called Every Court Counts, um, and it's really about no matter what court you're on. And I'm the clearly <laughs> a pretty good example of yeah. this campaign. Like you matter. Don't think you don't matter. You know what I mean? Just because you're not in the NBA or NBL or NBL one, like even if you're just at the local park, you matter. You know what I mean? And that's what we're pushing right now. And it's a it's a global campaign, uh, mainly in um Asia APAC, Asia Pacific region. And um really grateful for that. There's a docuseries dropping. Um we started this series called Hoops Culture, and we just we did New York. So the first few episodes are drop in a couple of weeks. Oh, exciting. Yeah, it's going to be sick. So what I am um, planning to do, shout out to Nike, shout out to House of Hoops. But what I'm planning to do is become the Anthony Bourdain of streetball. So what I want to do is um, streetball culture. I want to go and highlight different parts of the world where basketball is being played and it's really like embedded in that country you know in that city so philippines basketball is huge you know what i mean you go down to indonesia just because you ain't got nobody in the league don't mean the impact of the game isn't still there and you don't the impact of the game isn't just playing it you know what i mean music sneakers how you rock your shit you know what i'm saying and listen to the stories of of all others so what you're doing here I'm going to be doing something like that as well, but just, you know, we're just going to go around the yeah, world. So cool. I might have to stop in L.A. a little bit. might have to stop at Venice Beach <laughs> over the summer and catch a vibe over there with some of the legends out there. I was going to say, being in the, um, in the you know, the basketball space, you would have met some of the coolest people throughout your journey. Who are the, I mean, this is where we name drop right now, Homicide. This is where we name drop. Who are some of the coolest people you've met and, and a few stories with them? Uh, KD, Jay-Z. Yeah. Buster, Buster Rhymes, Pharrell. I met Ye before. Obviously, Kobe came to Rucker. Westbrook. Who else? Some big names. Yeah, it's New York. You know what I mean? It's, you know. I've seen photos of KD, actually. He gets down to, he gets down to the, the street. Yeah, and yeah and but like, you know, I like to hang out, too. So it's not, I'm not just meeting, you know, these people in, um, at the park, you know, even though all of them come to the park, you know, uh, and some others, you know, <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Some others, you know, my man, Fat Joe, you know, J Lo, from the Bronx. You know what I mean? It's uh, 
mate, it's 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 what people you know people don't understand that you know. Yeah. So it's it's pretty cool that you can um, hang out and relate to these people that are doing so well, I guess, in the public eye. Yeah, but like you know, when you're from New York, it's a community, so it's like, you know, like. If you ever come to New York and I'm there, like, just, just, you I know. can't, oh, man, I'm, go- <laughs> <laughs> I'm booking in October, man, let's go. You know, we, uh, we have a good time, you know, listen, life is to be lived, it's, you yeah, know, life is to be lived. Now, mate, we've got a few seconds, but I've got some quick fire, so, um, you, obviously I played footy, you baller, I mean, you support, who do you support in the AFL? The Dons, baby, <laughs> Essendon, I go to the games too. Almost tough times at the moment for you. Yeah, tough times, you know, tough times, but we got to bounce back, you know, one game at a time. It's, yeah. it's going to be a tough year. And I'm, but, but, you know, I'd rather, again, I ain't the one j- jumping ship. You know what I mean? No, like, I, I'm ship. with them, I'm with them. Nah, there's some good lads there. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. One of the segments we've got, um, and I've matched this up for you, brother. I know uh, you love your caps. The no big sponsor doubt. of us is caps. And I've matched it up with the jacket today. Ah, good looking. That's Appreciate yours. it. You know, this is my team. Like, I'm a Bronx bomber. Oh, Yankees all day. I, used, yeah, I was a three dollar yeah. bleacher creature. I, I called the Caps boys and they said we've got the hat for you. So appreciate it, man. Now we've got a segment. It's called the Caps moment. Okay, this will be a pretty cool moment. I know the Caps moment means it's the greatest moment of your life. Ooh, so it's pretty big. Yeah, there's been man. a few moments in your life, and we kind of touched on majority of your journey. But if I was to say, what is your Caps moment? What would Corey Homicide Williams Caps moment be? Easy. My daughter just finished year one in uni. So um, for her to, uh, you know, my, my, my little human is growing up. And in September, she's 20 years old. We laughed about it the other day. We talk all the time, but I'm just like, I have a, a little me whose energy is just like me in New York City, in the dorms in Midtown. Like, it's just incredible to me that I have a little human you know what I mean? Growing up and, you know, just doing her thing. And for her to just finish this week, she actually goes back to Denver where she resides, um, her mom and her. But um, it's just very, very, I'm very proud of that. Like, that's the biggest moment ever, you know? Love my daughter. I got a one and only, my one and only. If I had more children out there, I ain't hard to find because I'm on social media. So somebody would have popped up and been like, yo, you my father. <laughs> well, that ain't happened. So, uh, you know, we did right. We did right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my biggest, that's my biggest, biggest, biggest moment oh, and accomplishment. Special. There you go. The Caps moment, mate. That's brilliant. The other one we've got is. As oh, man. I've got some. I own a sunglass oh, brand. Oh, good looking. We, I got, I was, oh, good know, looking out. I hope you like that. These uh, are sweet. The Orbits, mate. The, the Wolf Grey Orbits. So. Wolf Grey for a wolf. <laughs> That's good it, baby. Good looking out. We appreciate it. Um, and I know that you love yeah. your shades. I shades love how you're wearing. Exactly right. Shades are important. These are sweet, too. These circle ones. I think I could rock these with, like, I got a, um, a certain hat that I got to rock with this. Yeah, I love that. Was, yeah, yeah, let me know. You'll see. You'll yeah, see when I'll I put see. it on. I mean, you, You'll you, see what I put on. Good look at Great style, and I love Thanks, that. Thanks, man. Um, you have no choice. Yo, I have to have, Listen, let me tell you something. <laughs> New York City is a place where if you come out your house and just go to the store, you better have some shit on. <laughs> and it ain't got to be all this, but like at least a fly pair of sneakers because cats are comedians. They'll joke at you. They'll snap on you. And I mean, New York... If you ain't looking right like a a girl ain't going to check for you, she just going to size you up first. I don't care how your face look. What is your gear looking like? More important, what's your sneaker looking like? And if you think I'm playing Ask Any New Yorker, they'll tell you. Straight up, you got to come out looking right. 
That's great feedback. That's just for, New York City. That's great feedback for anyone trying Facts. to get in New York. I know I work with Foot Locker. Don't think that's a Foot Locker <laughs> thing. I'm telling you straight up. We make shoe contact before we make eye contact. There you go. So, feet up. Feet up. I might be doing it we wrong. We check accessories. We check all that. Like, the real anal ones? Like, it's like, you got some cool sneakers on, but I don't know what, you know what I mean? Like, what what is this you wearing? And then, like, the belt don't, like, there's some people be like, yo, the belt don't even match the bag. Oh, that's strict. We need, like, a tutorial. There's levels to this. We need, I'm, I'm wearing the casual today. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, you know, like, there, there's levels to it. And it depends on how the people are, you know? Maybe that's probably why I couldn't pick up in New York. Some people would be like, yo, listen, <laughs> you don't even know what you're doing. I can't take you anywhere. If I'm looking like this and you're looking like that, that don't go together. Step your shit up. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying, like that's like a, that's the New York mentality. That's why you got to come out looking right. It is the hub of fashion, isn't it? It's the hub of fashion. Go to Italy. Go to Milan. Guys at pizza stores on the corner chilling with nice suits on. That's just the culture. You know what I mean? It's an amazing culture. It's in- incredible. It's one culture. of the greatest cities in the Go world. Go to Paris. <laughs> you know what I mean? These are places that move the world when it shapes the world when it goes when you're coming down to culture and arts. So it's like if at your least casual, you still looking solid. What does that say? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no one can compete with New York. <laughs> these are these are some big London, same type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Rick's in retirement is the segment. So we have this thing where if you were to retire after you've done everything, you, you know, you've achieved it, all your goals. You know, there's plenty more to go. But once you have, you take your Rick's eyewear. You're sitting somewhere. Yep. I've heard you talk about coasting. Where would you retire in the world? You get one spot, one location. St. Thomas, Jamaica. Bang. That's where I'm building my house. Bang. My retirement home. There you go. Done. That's our first That's Jamaica. It. I've never been. And I'm Jamaican. So mm. at the end of the day, you know, you got to have something on the ground where you're from. You know what I'm saying? So ain't really for me. It's for Isabella. So that's where I'll be, though. That's beautiful. No doubt. Rick's in retirement in Jamaica. No that doubt. is that is nice touch, mate. Well, look, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing Much your love, story. Man. The vibes um, in this van. Yeah, is we're gonna get you back, bro. mate. We're getting you back. <laughs> we love the good vibes in man, here. Much love, bro. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Wish you nothing but success. And uh yeah, we'll, we'll get you back on again. No There'll doubt. be some cool things coming up this year. There's no, some cool things coming up. It's a, it's a call I gotta make. See the, the vibe's been so good. The vibe's been so good in here, we couldn't stop. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it's going down. Thank you, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, appreciate your time. Yo, much love, my bro. See you, brother. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, please feel free to hit us up on our social channels, at American Aces. If you're entertained, inspired, or feel more educated, Please share it with your friends and family because we appreciate the support. Righto, catch you on the next one.